Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer, as always, coming to you from Hackettstown, New Jersey, from Cat Swamp Road. And let me see, I'm going to turn away from the microphone for a minute. Okay, I got one of the bros sleeping here, so sleeping very nicely, and then everybody else is outside again. It's a beautiful day. It's uh, probably about 60 degrees. So that's nice, and they're outside running around, so they should not be bothering us for the show. So that that's pretty good, right? And hopefully everything is going well with you. That's my sincerest prayer for you, my listeners, uh, every week and all the time. That's why I always say it. But I have to give out a couple of pins in my map today, and let me get this piece of paper. Okay, <clears throat> the first pin is going to Mr. Robert, or Rob, he put Rob Miller, and that's in a town called La, L.A., New World Center, Washington. I never heard of that, so I had trouble finding it on my map, so I had to look it up, and it appears to be north and east of Portland, a little bit on an angle. And my cousin lives in Washington State, but he lives over down, uh, well, according to... Uh, whatever you call that wikipedia map quest or whatever it is it's about 83 miles away from uh, la center he lives in bingen bingen white salmon washington he lives right on the, my cousin lives right on the washington side of the columbia river right across from hood river oregon and uh but mr miller lives over in la center and uh so I want to thank you so much, sir, for a pin in my map and for entering the Hot Rod Farmer License Plate giveaway. And I have to, for, for full disclosure, because I cannot tell a lie, I neglected to pull a winner this week. There's plenty of people who could win, and I still have a couple of license plates left, but I neglected to pull a winner before I did the show today. So that is not good. That's not good on my part all right so i have to make up for that. that means i gotta give away two next week and then the other person i need to give a shout out to is mr mark bray b-r-a-y and he lives on places unknown but he's a long distance trucker so i do not know where he hangs his hat but <clears throat> he came to he came uh, or he i should say he came to me contacted me in a roundabout way uh, I think last week or the week before, I was uh, on the Ag PhD radio show with the Hefty Brothers, and uh, they were asking me some questions about my farm, and uh, I think it was Farmer Friday, so it was probably last week or two weeks ago. I, it, it, the time flies by, sadly. So, so anyway, and then Darren Hefton, Hefton, Hefty was asking me uh, about uh, what is a common question that I get to my from my audience as, as far as the radio show on Sirius XM Farm Machinery Digest Radio or my Idle Chatter podcast I said that a good majority of the questions are on diesel fuel and TF4 and then I thought it doesn't take me much <laughs> to get going on that and then uh, Darren had to cut me off because the next person had to come on so uh and rightfully so but Mr. Bray was listening as he was driving his Peterbilt with a pack car engine, and he hauls for a company, um, and it's a company truck, but he is a dedicated driver to it, as far as I understand. And he had some questions about about these about diesel fuel, and 
I guess you could never get them answered, and about the uh, quality of diesel fuel, the inconsistent quality. So uh, he was really excited to hear what I had to say, and I uh, thank you. And he wrote me a very, very nice note. And he is going to become a, uh, he's going to check, I shouldn't say he's going to become a listener. That would be presumptuous on my part and not Christian, but he's going to check out some of the uh, radio show episodes and my Idle Chatter podcast. I don't know whether he has a, a, uh, Sirius XM radio in a truck where he listens to it, uh, the Ag PhD show as a podcast. So he did say that he listens to a podcast, but a lot of people respectfully, incorrectly call a radio show a podcast because they, there is the, the lines are blurred. But Mr. Bray, you have entered to win a hot rod farmer license plate in the contest, and we're just going to call you Destinations Unknown. So that is very good. I want to thank you so much for the note that you sent me. So, Mr. Miller, thank you for the pin in Los Center, Washington. You know, I love when people contact me from, I mean, all these little towns I never, never knew, never knew existed. And uh, so I never heard of Los Center, Washington. And then also, Mr. Bray, it seems like the cats are doing something outside because my microphone is picking it up. We, my office, as you know, is in the basement. We have a Bilco door uh, to come downstairs. It's got prefab concrete steps, and there's the medical metal door. And I have the one side of the door open so the cats can go in. We have a door to the basement, obviously. A storm, well, we used to call it a storm door, a steel door, and that's all closed. But it sounds like they're jumping and doing something on the Bilco door because it's echoing in here. So if you hear that, I apologize. And uh, let me see what else is new here. My cover crop isn't doing that as well as as I had thought. I went in the field to look, uh, the one field nearest the highway, and uh, <clears throat> I had a bunch of geese in there. Well, we always do, but I, I spread it at a very high rate, 100 pounds per acre. And uh, I and this year, as I told you many times, it's straight triticale. And you know, every year, the size of the triticale and the seeds vary, and I don't understand... Uh, i i don't i don't truly understand can't give you a reason for that all right but they vary and i always like when it's a smaller seed because uh you figure if you're buying it by the pound 100 pounds if the smaller seed you get more seeds and not that i'm trying to be cheap but my thought process is that well if i have more seeds and since i'm broadcast spreading it that i have a better likelihood of having a good stand or if animals come and eat it or birds come and eat it then they have to eat more right uh so <clears throat> i mean arguably to be ridiculous if you had a seed that weighed 10 pounds if you had 100 pounds of seed you have 10 seeds if you have very very smaller seeds you have more but anyway the past couple of well a week or so that i've seen because unless i go out and go by that field i don't see it right is that uh there was a big uh let me say <laughs> fleet i gotta get my thoughts together today. uh a big flock of of geese in there which looked like a fleet <laughs> and uh they were in there and i saw their heads going down pecking so uh i think they ate a lot of my seed and they pulled up a lot of the cover crop that had had emerged because they like to pull it up and eat it because it's nice and green and it's short so it must be sweet so we'll see what happens it's the good lord's seed it's the good lord's animals uh so i just always tell them look let it grow let it grow because then you'll have more to eat but i walked i walked the field and the 
that part of the field near the highway the cover crop is growing pretty good um but towards the back end of the field it's like where is the seed and where's the plant where are the shoots coming up so we'll see i've had that happen before and then in the spring it was a lush very nice crop so we will uh time time will tell and uh but that is that. Let me see what's hard to tell you. Also, I'm, I don't want to not going any anywhere near the generator talk today. You got last week. You got bombarded with that, and I apologize. But uh, been running the new generator and breaking it every about six hours so far as of this recording. I'm hopefully going to run it for another hour or so. That I've been running it with a, uh, a Vernado, a little electric heater, and the Vernado heaters are really great. They're designed by aerospace engineers, and they're made in Kansas. They're made in USA, and uh, they're designed to really to uh, evoke airflow. It's like a vortex, an airflow uh, through the room. So I'm running it. I mean, obviously, I'm running the generator outside, but the, I'm running the Vernado's he, Vernado heater on it. So it's about a 12-amp draw. I'm going to just call for a second. Let me just kill this mic, put the dragster on. Yeah, ready. I'm sorry. I'm back. So uh, I wish I could get this throat of mine straightened out. But so it's about a 12 amp draw. It's just on, it's rated 1500 watts. But I've been I checked it with my kilowatt meter, and uh, we're putting out about 121, 122 volts according to the kilowatt from the Generac. And so if you do remember, watts is volts times amps. So the the so it's rated 1500 watts and it's coming in about 1470 1480 so that cone it's close enough for everything for the kilowatt meter and for what the uh and for what the uh the uh, unit is uh is rated for so it's running about just shy of 12 a little bit more than 12 amps and uh, the, i have to say that the, the the generac has been performing well so far it only has maybe six hours on it so who knows if it blows up tomorrow but uh it does sound good and the engine does run well so i'm I'm happy and thankful for that and and just to put closure that never heard back from generac so um, they obviously could care less and they just sell you what they want to sell you tell you what they want to tell you and then that's basically it so i'm picking up a lot of different noises here i don't know if it's me or the cats so that is that and what i wanted to talk about today on this show was oil leaks and, and let, me, let me reword this because that's i want to get you a little bit better in the magazine because we call it a hook right like the title of the magazine story was always the, the hook so in a, in a magazine story there's the there's the he, there's the head and the deck the head is the heading, and then the deck is the sentence or two that's underneath it. So I need to get a better head and a better deck here. But what I want to talk about is why you should not ignore oil burning or oil leaks from any engine, gasoline or diesel. And I am very cognizant that lots of times oil leaks are a pain in the neck. All right, they're, they're usually not easy to fix. I mean, if it's a rear main seal or an oil pan or a valve cover gasket back years ago valve cover gasket was nothing you zipped it off in 10 minutes all right i remember uh, when i was in college i had a friend who lived in brooklyn tommy latanzio and uh, that was uh, he thought he was john travolta 
from Saturday Night Fever. I had the whole outfit and everything, the haircut, and uh, good-looking guy. He looked he looked a lot like John Travolta, to tell you the truth. And uh, he had a, a two-door '71 Chevy Impala with a it had a 350 in it, and uh, back then it was you know had the air conditioning, had the big A6 compressor that was standard back then. But uh, Tommy would would pull the valve covers off during class break to adjust the valves because he never could get the valves adjusted right. So I said to him, Tommy, I'll help you adjust them. All right, because he either had them too tight or too loose. And when it was too tight, the motor would run rough and just, just sound binding. And if it was too loose, it would run smoothly. It was tapped. So I said to him, Tommy, I, you know, I can help you adjust them, but I don't want to go all the way to Brook. He said, no, 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 I'll pull, we can pull a valve, we'll pull the valve covers off during, in between classes. And uh, we and just the point of me telling you that story is that back years ago was nothing to pull a valve cover off. Right, it was absolutely nothing. You got a wrench and you you socket wrench and you pulled it off in two minutes. All right, today that is not the case on most engines. Is that to pull a valve cover off is a major major fiasco. And even if you could see it, you usually can't get it off that easily. The only thing that's better today than it was years ago, I would say, as far as valve covers are concerned, is that the uh, the gaskets that they that they use have a day and night difference. I mean, probably 95% of the valve cover gaskets today can be reused. The material they're made out, the, the design they're made. It's not like it was years ago. You said the old cork gaskets that used to take them off and they used to tear. And you could, I mean, you could not reuse them once you compressed them. I mean, you people could did reuse them, but they would leak like a sieve. So anyway, it's very easy to ignore on any engine, gasoline, diesel, even a small engine like a two-stroke on a weed whacker or on a chainsaw or anything else like that and say ah, it's only leaking a little bit of oil uh, you know whatever it's not it's not the end of the world only it's only it's only burning a little bit of oil it's not the end of the world which runs good just keep on going but i'm going to hopefully address today why that is and i like to use this term a canary in the coal mine but if you do ignore it just like they say, you know, if you have chest pains and pain going down your arm, you may be getting a heart attack. You should ignore it. You should go to a hospital emergency room. Well, the same thing happens is that you really should not ignore oil leakage on any engine or oil burning. And we're going to start first with oil burning and why you should not ignore that. Now, for you to understand, you could have an engine that is burning oil and you could not glean it but a dipstick. Now, what I mean is that you say, okay, fine, it's getting 3,000 miles or so many hours to a quart instead of four or 5,000 miles. So the differential is not that great that you're saying it's that, you know, that's burning a quarter oil every 200 miles. So then that's, you know, that's, the, that's the latent, that's the silent killer. Because if you're just burning a little bit of oil, then uh, you tend to just say, oh, she's got 100,000 miles, it's got 10,000 hours on, it's burning a little bit of oil, and it's no big deal. And it may very well be so. But you need to understand what is happening. Now, first of all, if you have, you always have to look to see for, for I'm not going to make this a life mission, but you need to be cognizant of if there's any visible smoke on startup. And after, after a gasoline or diesel engine has sat for a while, usually overnight or for a few hours, 
And what basically happens is that in most instances, that is a telltale sign of either the valve stem seals or the valve guides worn. Now, most, if not all engines, modern engines use a valve stem seal. It's usually a rubber cup, like an, they call it an umbrella seal. And it goes over the valve stem and then over the guide. And what it does is it stops the majority of oil from leaking down or between the guide and the valve stem that's what i call it a valve stem seal and lots of times what will happen is a valve stem seal on an engine any type of engine could be a john deere tractor or it could be an f-150 pickup truck there's there's many different styles of valve stem seals but they all are meant to accomplish the same thing and you and i'm going to say uh I'm not a chemist that there's some sort of rubber compound, whether it's a neoprene or what have you, who knows, there's all different materials today. It's not like I was 50, 60 years ago where they had one or two items that they made everything out of. So, and lots, but regardless of that, over time and over heat cycles, because remember, it's hot oil, it's hot, there's heat under the hood. It gets back to me always opening the hood to let the heat out. And as I say, a lot of things degrade from during heat soak, is that the valve stem seal could crack and it could crack or sometimes it gets very hard and what it does it it, it attaches itself to the valve stem all right which is it's supposed to be over the guide and then now the guide can either be a preston guide or a boss that's that's actually cast into the cylinder that is irrelevant and then a hole is, is gun drilled to put the valve through and rides up and down on the valve so is the sort of seal is supposed to stay on the top of the guide and the valve stem is supposed to slide between it so the thing is that lots of times when they get old and dry that they'll actually stick to the and there's some varnish on the valve they'll actually stick to the valve stem and they'll go up and down and so they're not sealing the way they're supposed to seal but anyway the telt and and keep in mind also that in almost every instance you could you could replace the valve stem seals on an engine not the guides the valve stem seals without taking the cylinder head off what you base what you need to do is you 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 take the spark plug out or the injector if it's a diesel which is not easy on a diesel not like a spark plug I, i recognize that and you fill the cylinder with about 100 pounds, 110 pounds of compressed air. They have an adapter, like from a leak down tester, you could buy an adapter that goes into the cylinder, make sure the shop compressor doesn't, nobody shuts it off. And then when you're filling the cylinder with air, if you put the, if you put, turn the engine around so that the both valves are closed, so the valve springs are not compressed, you could use a, an, an on-engine valve spring compressor, and you could take, you could pop the, the 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 locks and the retainer off take the spring off and then put a new seal on there and then put the valve spring and whatever the retainer and the locks there if there's any shims or whatever you the shims would be on the bottom but you want to be cognizant of that they could stay in place right so you don't have to pull the engine up engine out of the car or the cylinder had to do valve stem seals and i would say almost every application the whole idea is that what how is the access to that well that's you know application specific right that's the engineer's way of saying well you know like an agronomist saying read follow or follow all label instructions but the telltale sign of a valve stem seal starting to fail is that you'll have bluish white smoke on startup 
and what the scenario goes this way the engine is hot all right and then the oil is thinner when it's hot you shut the engine off and it's like i said gasoline or diesel could be a law a lawnmower even makes no difference you shut the engine off and now this hot oil leaks past the valve between the valve stem and the guide because the seal is not has lost its integrity and then lays on the top of the piston eventually lays on the top of the piston and usually it takes a while for that to happen and depending upon the position of the valve all right if the valve is closed then the oil is going to lay on top of the valve all right and then it's going to on the back side of the valve and then it's, it's not going to go on to the piston and what happens is when the engine starts for a couple of seconds 10 20 15 seconds whatever depending upon how much oil got through the engine starts fine but has bluish white smoke and people oh it's only valve stem seals the heck with it forget about it well a couple of things i want to address with that right first of all number one in almost every instance you will not be able to quantify any use any excessive usage from a bad uh, leaky valve stem seal like i said maybe the engine got four thousand miles to the quart now you get 3800 it's all it's all within in uh, a coffee shop talk of how good the engine is all right so it's not it's like like i said you know lots of times where i say lots of times you know 170 bushels per acre 175 whatever i get 170 175 bushels per acre so it's in that margin of area you're not really going to realize that but keep in mind that that oil migrating into the cylinder is not doing any good because number one is that when you're making that blue smoke you're burning off the oil but the oil is going to leave a residue of carbon and you're going to end up eventually over time filling the backside of the valve with a lot of carbon which is going to block airflow and create drivability problems and performance problems and also it's going to create carbon on top of the piston and then eventually if this goes on long enough or the engine has a lot of restarts all right where the oil leaked past it if the engine ran 24 hours a day it's not much of an issue because the oil actually is leaking past when you shut it off it's going to coat the piston with carbon and then eventually eventually depending upon i'm repeating it how long this goes on is that you're going to end up building carbon and sludge in the top ring package or the top ring of the of the, of the package the ring package and you could you could actually take that ring land and carbon it all up gunk it up all right and then also stick that ring now mind you none of this is going to happen overnight you're not going to say oh my god the engine had a little bit of blue smoke all right on startup bluish white smoke that i'm I'm gonna no it's not going to happen overnight but historically people neglect that and time flies by hours flying by miles fly fly by in life and you say well the old track they used to start start the smoke and oh when did it start the smoke i don't know maybe six eight months ago then you find out it's 10 years ago all right <laughs> because uh like i said time in, in in life sadly flies by very quickly and when you're kicking a can down the road and that's what you're really doing is that you usually end up having a lot more to deal with than a valve stem seal so the analogy that i like to make is that if you get a flat tire and you pull off the road safely and don't ride too far in the tire depending up if let's say a nail went into the tread you could probably nine chances out of ten you could get that tire fixed 
all right you put an inside patch on it put it back on and it'll be fine and they could go on for its useful life if you ride on that tire being flat then you end up cutting up the tire so the tire is junk right plus lots of times the tire now separates and kicks into the fender or whatever and dents the, the vehicle and then if you continue riding you ruin the rim so now you need a rim you need a tire and potentially body work from riding on this tire that went flat and you see the people all the time on the high instead of pulling off the end now mind you that i would you know my caveat is it has to be a safe location if it came to what you know ruining a rim ruining a tire and possibly ruining the you know denting defender of the vehicle to get to a safe location that i would definitely ruin it all right but you see a lot of people riding for quite a long time on the shoulder that it is safe and they choose not to stop and then on today's modern vehicles you end up getting uh, that's uh, some of these rims are nine hundred dollars the tires are five hundred dollars body work and then forget about it right it becomes a four thousand dollar flat tire very quickly we're not talking about flat tires we're talking about oil leakage from from bad valve stem seals well the same thing happens is that you neglect and say okay that's fine i'm not saying you pull the motor apart the next day but over time so now instead of just putting some valve stem seals on there what you end up doing is you end up having a valve intake valve loaded with carbon right because usually off the exhaust valve it'll burn the carbon but the intake valve loaded with carbon a piston crown loaded with carbon and then the possibility of building a lot of sludge because you have to remember the, the further you get away from the flame the colder it's going to be and it's not going to want to burn off it's going to it's going to so i'll use the word solidify and now you have an engine that runs very poorly and needs a lot more work than some valve stem seals so now the thing is that what i would say to you is that in life gets in the way i understand that you can't stop everything because the old tractor is starting to smoke or the old grain truck is starting to smoke on startup because of a valve stem seal and then smoke last week the thing is that if you are having to kick that can down the road due to life all right other things are more important then i would say be very very diligent with using a product like tecron or something in the gas tank all right on a gasoline engine or some sort of diesel additive with a detergent in it because you want to try to keep those deposits on the back side of the valve the crown of the piston and the ring and eventually migrating into the ring package at bay so arguably let's say that you would put an additive in on a gasoline engine and say well i would put in every three or four thousand miles and if you're starting to get some some valve seal smoke on startup then i would say maybe put it in every thousand miles the stuff isn't that expensive because you want to try to not have that damage you want to pull off you know making the metaphor of this flat tire you want to pull off as soon as it's safe so you could change that tire and minimize the financial impact of the damage of riding on a tire well same thing happens with that so you spend a couple extra dollars on a fuel systems cleaner keep the valve clean keep the piston clean all right and then you will keep the eventually keep the ring package clean and now this you you'll keep it at bay you'll keep all of that potential damage at bay and you'll be able to just put valve stem seals on and you go go and go with god you'll be fine now the other thing to keep in mind is that both on a gasoline engine and a diesel engine 
any oil in the combustion event messes things up now on a gasoline engine oil is going to any oil that's leaking into the combustion event or the engine is using and introducing and that doesn't mean it's smoking like a crop duster all right is going to also impact the octane tolerance so if you if you're pushing some oil through the not just the valve guides we're going past the valve stem seals we're going past that but you're starting to use some oil is that that oil is going to build carbon at a higher rate but forget about it. even if there's no carbon whatsoever is that the engine is going to be more octane sensitive so if you say geez this engine used to run fine on 87 octane now it needs 90 octane or 91 octane that that is an indicator that is an indicator of one of two things it could just be well it's probably more than two things but the two major things that the engine could just be building carbon deposits that may not be using anywhere it could be building carbon deposits just from the gasoline all right that's being used and the type of use that the engine is seeing so if you see if you see the engine's desire for octane to keep going up then that's a canary in the coal mine something is going on and also if the engine is starting to use oil and i'm repeating it any oil in the combustion event on a gasoline engine is going to want to cause it to to have an abnormal combustion event which we call we'll call detonation it's not really could be detonation it all depends when it happens i went through it a million times all right so abnormal combustion event and the end result to you is that it's going to want it's going to become octane hungry on a diesel engine you start to put oil into the combustion event right it's going to mess up it's going to mess that up also all right and it's going to and it's going to affect the the uh i i don't want the the ignition quality all right at what particular point that the the fuel self ignites so the oil is going to mess it up it's going to change the sound of the ignition of the ignition event the combustion event is probably a better word and the thing basically is is that it's going to make it later or, or earlier i cannot tell you it depends how much oil it is and when it's getting into the event if the combustion event already started all right and you're introducing some oil it's going to be more tolerant of it it'll probably just give a telltale sign of not sounding the same and possibly a little bit of smoke but it's also going but it may want more cetane to get going to, to get the flame initiated you say boys thing used to run pretty good on this cetane level and now it wants more so just keep that in mind that you know just like looking at your crop that everything in most things i I shouldn't say everything in life because that's too broad most things in life are a telltale to something that is coming down the pike or it also reveals something that else that is going on so now let's talk about oil leaks external oil leaks one of the reasons one of the many reasons why you shouldn't want you want to get after oil leaks i'm going to take a drink of water excuse me is that first of all it makes a mess you don't want to have the 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 vehicle or the farm tractor leave a calling card with a puddle or a drip every place it parks all right so that's that on a road vehicle 
all right then that could be anything that's going getting some speed with over 30 miles some of these farm tractors they go almost 40 miles an hour today but it doesn't mean you have the opportunity to drive it that fast unless you're trans going in you know between different farms and they happen to be on roads that you could go that fast but anyway on a road vehicle what's happening is that if, if you have an oil leak and it's underneath the vehicle let's say like an oil pan or a rear main seal well that's going to blow every place underneath the underneath the vehicle and you have to realize that oil blowing underneath the vehicle is going to attract dirt and dust which is a, which is a negative and it's also going to deteriorate things so if there's rubber hangers for the exhaust if there's rubber brake lines right there's anything that's underneath there that's going to get attacked by this oil now keep in mind also that if you're if you have oil leaking and it attracts dust and dirt and you live out in the farm or in a rural area on a dirt road is that it's going to hold the dirt and dust there which is a negative all right but the thing to keep in mind is that even the slightest coating of oil is going to act like a thermal barrier so when you when you have a dirty engine or an oil soaked engine and we're talking about underneath right now and it's getting the transmission wet it's getting everything wet is that it's not dissipating heat as efficiently as it would if it's clean so are you going to be able to see the oil temperature up a little bit higher i don't know maybe you can be able to see the trans temperature up but the fact of the matter is is that the oil and specifically once it gets dust and dirt and mud on it is going to act like a barrier and that component that is covered with that is not only has the potential to deteriorate if it has electrical connection if it has wiring to it if it has in some wire covering or insulation so it's not good it's this is the the under the undercarriage of a vehicle and all of the components there the starter and everything is not designed to be to have a a spray of oil constantly going across it and what happens is as i said as you go down the road let's say the rear main is leaking the front seals leaking oil pans leaking it's blowing it all over the place all right so so that's so what worried about degradation of components skin gaskets and wires and connections and we're also worried about about heat about hold holding heat in now most engines the past 35 years let's say use a one-piece rear main seal and prior to that they would use a two-piece rear main seal but this is the and uh it's a basic rule okay and the the regardless of the type of seal it is whether it's a one-piece or a two-piece rear main seal when you start to find oil leaks specifically at a rear main or an oil pan but usually at a rear main or a front seal the timing cover seal on the front with a crank seal all right that is a canary in the coal mine for an excessive amount of crankcase pressure and not always but that's but that's something that you need to recognize and that's gasoline or diesel so if you're building a lot of crankcase pressure why would you build crankcase pressure because on a gasoline engine the pcv system may not be functioning properly the breathers may not be functioning all right on a diesel you're going to have some sort of means to to ventilate the crankcase and if that is not working same thing it's just not a pcv valve all right so your crankcase ventilation is not working properly 
and the pressure in there's building up because remember that there's going to be a certain amount of pressure there's going to be a certain amount of leakage past the rings even in the best engines a little bit of pressure past the rings all right but also there's the movement of the pistons up and down and the movements of the pistons up and down and the crankshafts spinning around, but specifically the pistons, when those pistons are sweeping down at high speed towards top dead center, they're pushing air that is in the crankcase, and it's going to pressurize, so it acts like a pump, all right? So if you, so if when you have a rear main that starts to leak, or an oil pan that starts to leak, but specifically a rear main for the simple reason being it's the right around the crankshaft and it's going to be, if it's a one piece, it's going to be one some sort of lip seal and it's very easy for that pressure to push oil past it is that you may have a rear main that just started to wear. I'm not going to deny that. But most of the times, most of the times, the rear main seal is killed by excessive crankcase pressure so pc so whatever breathing system you have on that engine gasoline or diesel even a, a small single cylinder engine like in a lawnmower or a seat tender or a pre pressure washer is that there's a crankcase vent there and if that crankcase vent is plugged or crushed or, or for whatever reason is that you're going to start to push oil and the first the first thing it's going to go past is the rear main seal so if you get a rear main seal leak and lots of times if you catch it early and say oh what's this drip on the floor well you're underneath that you look underneath your farm tractor your sprayer your combine your, your semis look it never was leaking over here before what's going on and you catch it early believe it or not lots of times that the seal has the ability to heal itself it may not be a hundred percent but 99 percent specifically if you put some sort of swelling agent an extra swelling agent in the oil after you fix it but you need to fix that problem first so if you see a rear main seal leak don't just think oh it's old it's it's, it's that's why it's leaking that may be but lots of times it's an indicator of excessive crankcase pressure and you have to be familiar with that engine all right and know how that crankcase breeds we'll leave it at that because too many types of engines out there let's let's migrate over to a small tiny engine like a two-stroke like on a chainsaw a weed whacker or any other application that uses a true two-stroke all right the thing is that you have to be mindful if that because most well i'm gonna i'm gonna say most all right but there's not a small two-stroke that i know of that has an oil sump all right they have the oil mixed with the gasoline but so but keep in mind that if you have a crankcase seal leaking on a two-stroke, then they'll be pouring out. Oh, look at this. This chainsaw is starting to throw a little bit of oil at the crankcase seal, all right? Or, or whatever, this uh, weed whacker or what have you. And I'm using the crankcase, but the, the crank has to be sealed on two ends, all right? The thing is that if you see a telltale sign of an oil leak on a two-stroke, all right, that has the very good potential almost a hundred percent potential of affecting how the engine runs because that crankcase is part of the delivery system to fuel that engine because we're mixing fuel with air and that crankcase needs to be sealed so if you have an engine that two-stroke that's hard to start you have a two-stroke it doesn't eh, it doesn't run as good as it used to the idle seems it doesn't it idles rough or it doesn't idle nicely all right then you see some oil 
or some fumes leaking around the, the one of the crankshaft seals that that needs to be fixed first because that that little and say, ah, that's nothing throws a little bit of chainsaw throws a little bit of oil by the crank seal or whatever weed whacker well there's a 99 percent chance that's going to affect how that engine runs because that's going to be a vacuum leak and it's going to affect the air fuel ratio and how that engine is is fuels each each combustion event so you cannot ignore that so if you have a two-stroke engine it's starting to throw some oil out someplace all right um because you say well it doesn't have any oil where's it coming from it's coming from the oil and the fuel and the and the blow by all right so it is so so the thing basically is that it's coming from the oil it's putting with the gasoline so that's why if it's starting to get wet there i mean if you have a 50 to 1 ratio you're not it's not it's not 50 parts of oil to one part of gas it's one part of oil to 50 parts of gas so if you're starting to see some oil leakage there then that is a problem and you will most likely be also joined with some sort of driving or run, running problem so we have to think about on a diesel engine or a gasoline engine that if you have a rear main leaking or you have something like that happening underneath oil pan leakage it could be it could be usually the rear main that you need to at least confirm that the crankcase ventilation system is is functioning properly now let's go to the top of the engine all right whether it's a valve cover gasket or oil line or what have you and let's say this has no potential no potential to call it to have any running problem but keep in mind that on in a gasoline engine and diesel engines today tier 4 diesels like in pickup trucks everything use a mass airflow sensor but what they have what's called false air and false air is air that's getting into the induction track of the engine from someplace else all right like somebody sneaking into your field at night and picking your corn your sweet corn the thing is that that the mass airflow sensor is not cognizant of now the mass airflow sensor is used to determine the mass of the air coming in for fuel and ignition calculations so if you have if you have some false air coming in right then the mass airflow sensor doesn't know about it then your fuel and ignition calculations are going to be off and when they're off the engine doesn't run properly how does it not run properly uh, it depends upon how badly they're off on the engine design but it's going to give some telltale sign by not running properly so a modern engine with a mass airflow sensor is very sensitive to valve cover leaks any type of leak like that oil leak on the top of the engine because if there's oil coming out there's some sort of air coming in so what we call repeated false air but now let's say it's what's an older carburetor engine could give a darn less all right about that right keep in mind that if you have any oil leakage up on top of the engine the same thing holds true as for the bottom number one is that you're going to deteriorate anything it comes in contact with a lot of air conditioner lines and heater hoses specifically ac lines because they usually run near the valve cover are ruined over time by being constantly constantly wet with oil and, the, and it's not like you're flooding it but it's constantly damp with oil and over time that this oil starts to eat away at the ac line all right you don't particularly see it but what it does is that it opens up the pores of the of the hose the ac line not the steel part the rubberized part 
and then at a higher free on or higher refrigerant pressures there's a high side and low side in the air conditioner so you so you stop in traffic or it's a hot day and uh, you're in the tractor you're in the sprayer and the line is oil soaked once that line becomes porous and let's say arguably the high side pressure in the ac system goes to 300 pounds all right now it starts to the refrigerant starts to push through the push through the ac line because it became porous from the oil leak right at 290 it's not porous enough and stops leaking and and that's very common with air conditioners all right where you have a refrigerant leak that you cannot identify and when the and when the pressure gets to a certain level it pushes through because the 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 uh the code the line itself is starting to deteriorate all right it's not the theory where you see a crack at 100 pounds or 200 pounds it does not leak it starts to push through at the higher uh, higher higher pressures but i've never seen and two things are going to kill an ac line on any piece of equipment or vehicle what have you is that oil leaks and then heat soaks it gets back to my thing again you know open the hood well when you open the hood you save the valve cover gaskets you open the hood you save the intake manifold gasket you save all the electronics you save everything all right you i shouldn't say you save that you reduce the impact so it stays younger longer it's like a person said wow they're 70 years old they look fantastic they look like they're 50 years old or you'll see a 50 year old person looks like they're 90 years old all right so the thing is that so oil leaks will deteriorate everything they're going to deteriorate the ignition wires they're all this we're talking about the top of the motor right they're also going to deteriorate any electronics that has the potential to get into the, the into the wire into the plug the harness right so it's not it's not good it's also going to have the same thing it's going to hold heat and dirt which is not healthy for the engine plus it's a nightmare to work on you go to do something and you're full with grease and sludge it's terrible 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 so so you don't you don't want to allow that to happen so you don't want to ignore a valve cover gasket or any type of oil leak that's on top of the engine another thing since we're on top of the engine if you have a dipstick that constantly you said geez you know what i must have been half drunk the other day when i checked the oil because the dipstick is is, is is not pushed all the way in if you have a dipstick that has a propensity to push itself out a little bit from the tube just to release itself it's not going to be out six inches all right push itself and, and unseat itself from the dipstick tube then that is a very very strong indicator that you have a lot of blow by in that engine and it's coming past the rings specifically on a turbocharged engine i used to work on a lot of buick grand nationals as soon as the ring seal started to go away the piston ring seal started to go away the dips the first telltale sign was the dipstick would be a little bit out of the tube the next telltale sign is that the rear main seal would leak all right then you put a rear main seal in it and the the rings were shot and uh you'd, you'd go into boost and it would push pressurize the oil pan and push oil right out the rear main seal most bigger farm equipment is all turbocharged so keep that in mind that if you see a dipstick that keeps coming out and a rear main seal leak that sometimes all right if it's not the the breather system for the crankcase ventilation then historically it is usually a poor ring seal and you could find that with a leak down test a leak down test is very hard 
and impractical for the most part to do on a diesel engine because you don't have a spark plug hole to get to. You have to pull out an injector, and the engine bore is very large, so it's not it's not the it's not the wonderful test that is on a on a gasoline engine. Even a 500 cubic inch gasoline engine, 800 cubic inch gasoline engine. All right, not that you're going to run into an 800 cubic inch gasoline engine, but on, on, on the farm, you have a drag race engine. You will. I mean, they, as an aside, they got 900. They got 1,000 cubic inch engines now. I mean, based on big block Chevys. Uh, well, that's the architecture. Right, it has nothing to do with Chevrolet anymore, just like a, a top fuel engine has nothing to do with so that's a Chrysler Hemi. Well, it's Chrysler Hemi DNA, I guess, or original intent, but it's not a Chrysler Hemi. Right. So <clears throat> the thing basically is that that you know on a diesel, if you start to see that, then you're gonna want to do a blow by test on it. And there usually is a way that you would read CFM or you read pressure or inches of water or something on that particular engine. You have to see what the shouter shop manual wants you to check it. But these are all telltale signs. So to recap, all right, as we're going to do a shorter show today to make up for the longer shows that I've been doing, is that you never want to just say, ah, it's leaking a little bit of oil. Ah, it's using a little bit of oil. Now, I'm I'm not saying that you have high mileage, high hours, that... that you can't start to use some oil all right but you have to look at it and you have to and you have it it has to be the indicator so like a police officer on patrol looking so geez you know i ride by this farm every day uh, and you that gate is always locked that gate that gate is not locked today the gate is a little bit of jaw let me go up the farm lane and see if everybody's all right or see if somebody's robbing the place or not like that so excuse me you can't ignore these telltale signs and but you don't want to get build carbon deposits on the valve you don't want to build carbon deposits on the piston crown the top of the piston and you don't want to break build carbon deposits that eventually work their way down into the ring package because you will sludge up that top ring you will bind that ring uh and it's not going to be good you could possibly to ruin an engine if you are putting some oil through there for whatever reason and for and and like i say for economic reasons say well this thing is using a little bit of oil and I'm, I understand what that hot rod farmer says, but I need to, a workaround on this. Then just be very good about treating the fuel more with a detergent that's going to remove those deposits and not let them build up. All right. So, and then, yes, I mean, you say, well, I use this grain truck. I'm not saying you go crazy with it. All right. Once a year for a month while I'm harvesting. All right. So, so fine. It is always a workaround, but you have to compensate for it. And that's so you know that's the thing basically is that I always say the difference between a cook and a chef. A cook just looks at the recipe. Okay, two tablespoons of salt. This, and they don't taste it. They don't do anything. They don't modify it, right? And if you look at a true, uh, a, a a person that 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 cooks, I mean a chef, they're cognizant of the barometric pressure because stuff is going to take longer or shorter based upon the barometric pressure. And that's why they, uh, I mean, a real chef will use a type of oven, like a convection oven that has very uniform heating in it. And believe me, I'm no cook and no chef, all right? I just know how to eat, 
but I you know, was involved with industrial bake ovens, not for cooking, for my coding business, and I learned a lot. And then uniform, and even years ago, on that same in that same uh, theme, I was uh, worked with Trend push rods. They make push rods. They make solid lifters. They also make the uh, the what do you call it? the uh, the Spintron, and they own Diamond Pistons, and I did some work with them a number of years ago, and I was in their facility in Michigan, and they were uh, they were heat treating some uh, solid lifters for a NASCAR team, and the NASCAR team wanted to know they had to give them a report where in the oven each lifter because they had to scribe each lifter with a number with a serial number each lifter is in the oven because they wanted to make sure that it was uniformly heat treated so when you buy let's say like i bought a when i had my coating business and my engine shop i uh bought a precision quincy industrial bake oven and uh the thing is that you precision quincy's claim to fame and i'm not going to deny it whatsoever i had it custom well it was made i ordered it it was made for me so is that their their whole thing is that their oven is extremely uniform temperature throughout it so the fact of the, the fact of the matter is is that so it's just like a picket fence stand of corn so all of, you know all of this come all of this comes into play but you want to make sure that you don't ignore this. You have a two-stroke engine. You're starting to leak a little bit of oil around the crank seals or some other seal. All right, then that is definitely has the potential of affecting the way the engine is going to run, start, what have you. You cannot ignore it. You have to keep in mind that the oil, even if there's no dust or dirt on it, is going to be an insulator. Everything is going to run hotter. It's going to attack wires. It's going to attack rubber hoses. It's going to attack the electron attack attack electronics. Hopefully, I was saying attack instead of attack. I mean attack it, and it's not good. And that's why it's so important if you also to wash all your engines down and keep them clean if you have if you develop an oil leak rear main seal oil pan to a lesser extent the valve covers but usually the bottom end of the engine is that don't just say okay the rear main seal start to leak it's usually a telltale sign for some sort of breathing problem as far as the crankcase is concerned as i started to say and i put myself off on a tangent which i'm very good at is that uh you know you could you could work around this all right you could work around it but you have to find the root cause and even though you and if you find the root cause say, okay well the rings are starting to go away and this then i'm going to add more of a detergent in the fuel to keep the carbon at bay i'm going to do all this i'm going to wash I'm, I'm i'm starting to push oil out more more from the rear main seal so i'm going to make sure that i always whenever i that i'm always washing underneath with a pressure washer you could spray something like a simple green or something underneath there so you're not going to let that oil blow back into the transmission into the wiring harness bake onto the catalytic converter or the diesel particulate filter whatever so you could work work around this to a certain extent but the take-home message here is that an oil leak can give, have the potential on a two-stroke engine or a, an engine with that uses a mass airflow sensor, gas or diesel, to have a drivability running problem, idle problem due to that 
potential, all right, and you want to minimize the collateral damage that either this external oil leak is can cause to the engine or other aspects of the vehicle or machine, all right, a combine, what have you. So you're throwing oil out. You don't want the belts to deteriorate that are running the whole kit and caboodle, all right? So you want to minimize the collateral damage, which could very easily be done if you do not just say, oh, it's an oil leak. It's using a little bit of oil. Heck with it, all right? All right, so that's very, very important. And also is that you want to be able to look at and say, hey, there's certain things that when they start to leak, for instance, a rear main seal, a dipstick coming up, you know, has a has a habit of just coming a half inch out of the put out of the dipstick tube, that there's a bigger picture here. It's like going into your field and seeing a, some sort of nutrient deficiency in your crop. Well, if you see that nutrient deficiency right then and there, all right, I mean, agronomists tell me usually when you see it, it's too late, but not in every instance, but you know you're not going to have a, a, a record-breaking yield, your best yield for your farm if the whole field is, is filled with a nutrient deficiency. So the thing is that if you see something, and that's you know, really what it boils down to with machinery, with agriculture, with almost anything in life, is that you want to try to, life happens, things break, things leak, stuff happens, high hail, storms come, right? All right, so, but you want to try to minimize the collateral damage. And that's why I always like to make, and I'll close with this, I always like to make the analogy or the metaphor of a flat tire, that many people turn a flat tire into a three or four thousand dollar fiasco because they keep riding under when they didn't have to again the caveat being safety first all right you can always make the money to buy it but safety first and the thing is that so you want to minimize it. you want just to be uh put an inside patch on a tire fill it up with air and go on your merry way after you get it fixed right and not have a very expensive and if you if you ignore oil leaks if you ignore the telltale signs is that they will eventually and i'm not saying you're running the engine out of oil but how many um, uh, you know i can never close that <laughs> this easily right because i love i just i just always feel that i got to give you more information all right, and the thing is that how many two-stroke engines, chainsaws, whatever, have been tossed away in the garbage, or perhaps say the carburetor is bad, because it's got a leaky crankshaft seal that's leaning out the mixture and it's not running right. All right, so the thing is that this stuff will talk to you. It's going to tell you it's not latent. It's going to it's going to tell you, but you have to have eyes that see, eyes that look. All right. You can't just say, oh, that's nothing, that's nothing, that's nothing. And when I worked for Allen Test Products, and I used to deal with a lot of people with what, the, what they qualified as a problem car, probably 90% of the time, the car didn't have some freaky problem. It just, they discounted every sign that the engine was showing them. Oh, well, your house fuel, oh, good. Well, how, did you check it? Did you put a pressure gauge? No, no, no. I pressed the Schrader valve and shot my eye. Well, you know, pressing the Schrader valve and shoot, having fuel shooting your eye doesn't tell you the pressure is good. It tells you there's some gasoline there, all right, and you should wear safety glasses when you're working on the engine, all right? So it doesn't, 
I mean, if the fuel pump is dead, there's no pressure whatsoever. So the thing is that it, you oh, that amount of mean nothing. That's good enough. This is good enough. That's good enough. Ba, 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 ba. They do it, and you put that stack up of tolerances, and they don't fix the engine or fix the machine, all right, or what have you. Same thing with a piece of farm equipment. That's good. That's good. That's good. Close enough. Close enough. Close enough. Right, and then all of a sudden the combine doesn't work right, all right, because everything is close enough, but nothing is right. And as a farmer, you know that there's that only one thing needs to go wrong for you to lose your crop or ruin your crop, and a lot of things have to go right for it to be a a a good yield. If it's not even if it's not a record breaker, so do not allow oil leaks and and you and a rise in oil consumption. But that means you got to check stuff, right? You can't be naive to it, or. And that and that's here it is. I'm trying to close again. I monitor everything. All right, I drive my. I monitor how much. I mean, when I we buy heating oil for the house, I do. You know, I check it like gas mileage. I say, geez, you know, we should only be burning about this time of year, this temperature. And you don't have to go crazy and start to chart it with thermometers, but be cognizant of say, well, it hasn't been that cold. And you know, from my historic data, we should be burning about three gallons a day at this temperature. Why are we burning five gallons a day? right well but you have to do the math you can't just have the old man fill it up and forget about it and pay the bill all right same thing is is that you know jesus engine used to get you know between oil changes between services i never had to add oil all right and then the oil and it looked pretty good but the thing is that now i have to add a half a quarter or a bigger diesel engine or two quarts or something a little bit sooner what's a telltale sign or if you say well usually when i'm at this at this oil change interval and the oil is usually down whatever i'll say a half a quart when i get ready to change it and now it's plus a one quart or five quarts in a diesel then you know you're getting fuel in the oil that's another thing like i said the biggest thing is that you have to pay you have to all of this equipment will talk to you it'll give you signs it'll give you signs of something in, in almost every instance i'm not going to say every instance but almost every instance it'll give you signs but we choose to ignore those signs until it becomes the heart attack and the thing is you know the the metaphoric example of an ambulance we used to say in the auto repair in the auto engineering industry is that this guy likes to do his maintenance on the back of a tow truck so this guy likes to take care of his health on an, in, in an ambulance on the way to the hospital emergency room all right that's not a way to run your business it's not a way to run your farm operation your ranch and it is not a way because remember my thing always is it's not what you make but what you keep that counts once again going back to the flat tire all right a 20 15 pl- patch versus a three thousand dollar repair for a thousand dollar rim body work and a seven hundred dollar of three four hundred five hundred dollar tire all right you have to you have that's a lot of crop that just went out the window because you didn't pay attention so if you have any questions you want to argue with me you want to fight with me you know how to reach me it's Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. And thank you so much for tuning in. And you have a blessed, blessed week. And know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved America. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>